Who's that? You must be new. That is Bruce Wayne. Mr. Wayne! Clark Kent, Daily Planet. What's your position on the bat vigilante in Gotham? Civil liberties are being trampled on in your city. People living in fear. He thinks he's above the law. The Daily Planet criticizing those who think they're above the law is a little hypocritical. What'd you say? Considering every time your hero saves a cat out of a tree, you read a puff piece editorial about an alien. You could burn the whole place down. Most of the world doesn't share your opinion, Mr. Wayne. Maybe it's Gotham City and me. We just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns. Boys! Mm. Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. I love it. I love bringing people together. How are we? Lex. Hi, hello. Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. You know the oldest lie in America, Senator? That power can be innocent. You're gonna go to war. That son of a bitch brought the war to us. You know you can't win this. It's suicide. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. You're psychotic. That is a three-syllable word for any thought too big for little minds. It's time you learn what it means to be a man. Stay down! If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Man won't kill God. The devil will do it. What have you done? with you I thought yours was you hey everybody it's Timmy time of the bat fan revolution this is episode number 97 this podcast is part of the Batman Universe podcast network did I get in time Tim you nailed it and okay, after good. Missed the uh, few extra weeks. You got it perfect too. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. I got, I got terribly sick, Tim. He's terribly, terribly sick. So sick that not even the Lazarus Pit could have healed you. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Or the, the bane, the bane's venom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made you big and strong physically, but would have gotten I, your cold. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I still would have got. Or been sick, so sorry everybody. That was my bad. Uh, is this our last show for the year? It is, right? Uh, no, I think we got. Uh, we got one more. Yeah, we got one more. But oh. you know what the best part about our next episode is? What? By the time we, or when we record a new episode, we would have seen the Force Awakens. That's how close <laughs> we are. 
<laughs> so, speaking of Star Wars, you went to Disneyland, Tim. Yep, just yesterday as we were recording this episode on Friday, December 4th. And how was it? It was awesome. <laughs> this is the first time in a long time I spent the whole day there because I did go earlier this year for, during celebration, but that was only in the evening. So got to hit a bunch of rides and check out Season of the Forest. And it was really cool. The new Star Tours uh, sequence that was cool. The hyperspace mountain with uh, like Star Wars, like X-Wings and TIE Fighters flying around there it was neat. And then they had the launch bay with different props and like uh, costumes from The Force Awakens and the other movies. That... Uh, I'm probably going to sound a little harsh. I was a little disappointed with that because they didn't have as many like full-on costumes and props that I was expecting. But maybe I was expecting too much, but I thought they would have had a little more. But it was still cool to see when you're in there, though. And then, I don't know, have you ever been to like like a movie or something that's billed as a 4D screening? No. Because it's no, like, I don't think so. Because they had something called Path of the Jedi, which is kind of like a recap of the previous six movies, and then they end it with the trailer for The Force Awakens, kind of catching them up on the story. But they have stuff that kind of puts the audience a more immersive experience with it, because when you see blaster fire, or like a, someone uses the Force, like your chair or the ground shakes a little bit, and then when, like if Han Solo goes down in carbonite... Oh, oh I like, see. It's it's kind of like um, those, those Spy Kids movies. I... I guess probably one of them was billed as that. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, yeah. But, but it, didn't, it didn't really work out that way. Or work out <laughs> apparently big. not. Yeah. Yeah, because like when Han Solo goes down in carbonite, like some air blows at you to give you that effect. And like there's lighting effects when you see the lightsabers ignite and clad. So it was pretty cool. I've never experienced Star Wars like that. So it was something that made me think, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a whole movie like that. At least a Star Wars movie. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. So i got to be more pumped for The Force Awakens if that was even more possible. So <laughs> I'm ready for that movie right now. Yeah, I wonder how that would work if you were you were watching like one of the hostile movies or <laughs> the, like the Saw movies or something. Like something creepy. Yeah, yeah I don't know how someone to, would like... Well, I've never seen those movies, so I don't know how interactive yeah, like, those would be like... Somebody that... something are you thinking like it's a knife <laughs> I don't know <laughs> uh, I, did, yeah. I did get to take a picture with Darth Vader too by accident <laughs> yeah yeah and that should be our um, our cover art <laughs> it was funny because I was actually I saw like a, a display of a clone trooper helmet stormtrooper helmet and the first order stormtrooper helmet oh I gotta get close and take a picture then I realized oh I'm in line to go meet Darth Vader <laughs> or take a picture with Darth Vader like I might as well just do it oh so that was a guy in there yeah, was it just oh, a statue or just a, just yeah. a display? No. Oh. He was saying stuff too. I think it was like an automated voice recording with like Darth Vader dialogue, but yeah, <laughs> it was a pretty neat effect. So how's the parking at Disneyland? I'm actually using their other like their extra parking. It's called the Toy Story parking lot. So <laughs> it's it's not even like connected to the park. It's like a street or a block over, and you just take a shuttle bus over there. But I find oh. it to be better because. It's not as big. You don't. It's not a hassle to get out of there, and it's closer to the freeway I need to get onto when I get home. So, that's yeah. And if, it, if you're staying all day, and, and you know, staying till the park closes, then you know you're gonna hit that traffic jam trying to get out of the, the park, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so whenever yeah. I go, I'm always parking at the Toy Story lot. <laughs> yeah, the Toy Story lot. <laughs> so, so how's the drive home? 
No, it was good. No, no traffic. Yeah. I closed yeah. at nine, so I was like on on the freeway like at ten o'clock. So yeah, you guys on the mainland drive fast. So like, <laughs> I, I, w- I would assume that there would be no traffic, but no. <laughs> yeah, there was traffic, or at least when I was on the, the mainland. Um, but anyway, glad to hear you had fun at Disneyland, Tim. I've never been to Disneyland. I've been to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go to Disney. Much just. It's just a bigger Disneyland, right? Yeah, I heard from people that work there, like Disneyland's a better park, even though technically World is bigger. I heard Disneyland's actually better than that. But well, it's I, more focused, right? Yeah, I guess that plays a part in it too. I even hear like, yeah. uh, like the employees are better at Disneyland, like more sure, nicer. Really. Yeah, because Disney World, you get you know all the different parks. You get the Epcot, you got that Safari one, and all that stuff. So, but like. Disney Disneyland is focused solely on Disney. Yep, with a few like minor, except like the California Adventure, but yeah. still, I don't got any that much there. Like maybe two or three rides, I know that a lot of people like. But yeah, so, 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 so what's that California Adventure? I've actually never been there, so <laughs> I can't comment too much on it. So is it like? Does it teach you about California? Is <laughs> it like an educational? The, uh, I'm sure there's some parts in there that is educational for tourists about the state of California, but I know the big thing is there is a, like a a ride called the Tower of Terror, which is like those big drop uh, rides where you just lift up and then does a free fall drop. <laughs> and then they have that Cars Land there. I think it's a, another part, like big part of the California adventure, but I've never felt the need to go there. The Star <laughs> Wars stuff is in Disneyland, so that's where I'm going to stay. <laughs> Does does Disneyland still have a, I can't remember what it's called like Zoom Disney or something or like Zoom Disney hmm. yeah like Zoom Disney uh, or no that doesn't ring a bell I don't know it was like this odd thing that the Disney Channel had uh, when I was a kid and I always wanted to go to that section of the park but I never went to Disneyland <laughs> I can't remember what it's called though. I think a Toontown, are you? No, not Toontown. It had like some weird name, Park, or D- Disney at the end of it. Mm, yeah, it's not ringing a bell. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. let's well, see about Disneyland. Well, next vacation, Dan, you gotta go to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never been. I've always wanted to go though. I mean, e- even as an adult, and I know it's not for adults, but I guess I'd be that one creepy guy. Uh, believe me, there's tons of stuff there for adults and a lot of, of adults there. So. Yeah, really? <laughs> I think it would be a little weird if like, you're by yourself and you want to go on like yeah. uh, Snow White and uh, <laughs> yeah. Pinocchio ride or something like that. But <laughs> Do they serve beer there? <laughs> Dude, I don't think so. Oh, like like no sure. alcoholic bev- beverages? I'm not 100% sure, but I don't recall like seeing or smelling anything <laughs> like beer. Oh. So. They did have ice lemonade in a BB-8 cup, so that was a big attraction there. <laughs> so, so do you still have the cup? I actually didn't get one. Too expensive. Uh, how much <laughs> was it? I don't like the ice lemonade. How much was it? Like 16 bucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and comparing it to McDonald's cups, how big was it? Um, not as big, but again, it's in the shape of BB-8. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, but for 16 bucks. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like when I went to the Pro Bowl. Uh, me and my dad, we went to the Pro Bowl. And 
um, Papa John's was like, I guess, serving pizza there. Mm-hmm. And can you guess how expensive one slice was? One slice, was it ten dollars? Thirteen. Wow, was it a big <laughs> slice at least? Yeah, it was, it, it, it was a bigger slice, but. I don't know. It's just a regular pizza. So I know, so, especially Papa John's is a standard chain too. So it's not yeah, like no, and, and how hungry do you have to be to buy that? <laughs> <laughs> you could probably get like a full medium-sized pizza for that much if you order it at a yeah. regular Papa John store. Yeah, and like I, I wanted to get a beer, and you can't imagine how small the cups are i mean they're, they're like dixie cups <laughs> right. they're like dixie cups probably. like 10 bucks yeah man jeez i was gonna say for how expensive they probably are man yeah yeah it's i don't know <laughs> i don't get it i don't know why people i mean i guess you surely want to drink that bad yeah but yeah not for me but anyway yeah. sorry about the sirens <laughs> <laughs> i will say another cool thing that happened at disneyland i was riding the matterhorn yeah, I got stuck on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I was in the outside part of the mountain, so I had to, I had to wait for like ten minutes for ten or fifteen minutes before a worker came up and they had to escort us out. And they you actually just get out and leave. Yeah, I got out of the ride and they actually took us inside the mountain, <laughs> like the <laughs> interior of it. They're like, "Don't take any pictures. Don't take any video of this. <laughs> but we're gonna escort it's you." What the mountain. back area? Yeah, it's like a warehouse with a bunch of tires inside of it. Really? Yeah, it was like something you would see, uh, like a, like a car parking garage or something. I mean, like the tires for the for the ride? Those are like look like car tires. They're really big. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just funny. Like, kind of you know how Disney hates to break the illusion <laughs> of Disneyland. So, or sadly that it 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 could be to like just in case like somebody from like a competitor's park or whatever, like Six Flags or something. You know, is one of those people, and then they take a picture of how Disney, I don't know, does something, and then you know, Six Flags does it. Mm. Well, corporate espionage. If there were any spies there, they just probably get information on tires. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much all that was in there. Um, I'm sure I get in trouble if anyone from uh, who works at Disneyland who was at the Matterhorn heard me talk about it. I'd probably get in trouble, but I don't think I have to worry. Yeah, I don't think anybody cares about you looking at tires. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it was at the Matterhorn, is um is Knott's Berry Farm still there? It's still there. I haven't been there oh. easily over 20 years. So. <laughs> yeah, I really don't have a desire to go either. I see you're lucky. See, so you're lucky. You know, you get to. I mean, Disneyland is pretty much your backyard. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how long was the drive? Like a half hour. Like oh, that's not bad. 35 minutes at the most. When there's no traffic, yeah. When there was no traffic when I went, so it worked out yeah. perfect. Oh, that's good. Well, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should start stop talking about Disneyland parking and. Yeah. <laughs> Back getting, to the Matterhorn. Yeah, getting stuck. <laughs> and we should talk about our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentary. Yes, because we're hitting uh, another milestone. Yeah, we're going to minute 50 in this one. 49.50. So just get out your DVD or your Blu-ray or your um, video uh, VHS tape. Your, uh, what else, Tim? Your projector, your beta tape. Laser disc. 
Laserdisc, HD, DVD. Um, pro- I think I already said projector. Yeah, you got projector. Um, what else is a dead media? VCD. <laughs> yeah, VCD. Not only is VCD a dead media, it's a forgotten media that no one <laughs> really knows about or remembers. Yeah. Maybe if you're, if the the precursor to YouTube has it up, whatever that was. Yeah. Was there one? I don't know. There, there has to be, right? I don't know. If it was, well, YouTube was like first of its kind, at least what I remember. But you never know. There's always something that inspires something oh, yeah. that come out. So maybe. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, so so whatever the I guess whatever it was before YouTube, because I mean, it's really hard to remember. It's just one of those things that changes your life. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, MySpace whatever was before YouTube. that. Yep. It's kind of like MySpace and Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> MySpace was the big thing. And then Facebook came along and nobody goes on MySpace anymore. They try to make a comeback too. I didn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, y- you can't compete with Facebook. I mean, it's kind of like iPhone and the BlackBerry. Yeah. Just not going to work. But anyway, that's enough of dead media. (laughs) (laughs) I think we got it all covered. Uh, Maybe like horses and cars. (laughs) What? (laughs) Horses and cars. Like everybody used to ride ride horses and then cars came along. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking like riding horses and as a media player, like what? <laughs> or um, uh, radio and television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Radio's still surviving for a little bit now, anyways. But <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, just, just queue up your media to the 49th minute because I know everybody's following along at home. And uh, <laughs> how should you think they're not, Dane? Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna give the countdown. So Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, three, two, one, hit play. Oh, we just started right after Batman socked that guy. Yep. And remember that when product placement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you remember when that shot first came out? <laughs> Everyone's wondering what he was holding. Yeah, yeah. How I remember seeing out. all of the, like the amateur pictures of this police chase, this whole police chase. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. I mean, the, the big one is, of course, was the ending when they did that whole final battle sequence where yeah. league video came out for that. But we got a few <laughs> of this one, and we saw that shot tons of times in TV. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> that was like the go-to one to end it. Are we going to get to the bat? No. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> Dang it. End from an aerial view of the cops chasing Batman. Yep. No, we always get so close like to something big that's going to happen, and then it always drops off. I know. <laughs> and it always ends on like a weird spot, too. <laughs> Um, well, well Dane we did it 50 times yeah. oh man <laughs> can you believe that no I can't <laughs> we did 50 minutes literally uh, 50 minutes to... of a commentary minute by minute <laughs> right. I don't think anybody's ever done that 
I think we're breaking new ground here. We're breaking barriers in the podcast world. <laughs> um, well, that's why we're called the Bat Timmy Time and the Bat Rev- Batman Revolution. Yeah, it's revolution. A revolution. Yep. <laughs> um, but Tim, why don't you tell the good people at home about what could possibly be our featured topic yeah, for this episode? I wonder. Hmm. <laughs> we did see some new footage for a particular movie that. It's not The Force Awakens for a change. <laughs> no. Oh, let me guess, Tim. Was it the new Hunger Games movie? <laughs> That's already out in theaters, so I guess oh, technically, yeah, if you cool. haven't seen it yet, that can count. Yeah, yeah. Or or was it uh, Krampus? <laughs> <laughs> they're, pro- they're promoting the crap out of that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of posters for that. I don't think I've seen a yeah. commercial for it, though. So. <laughs> it's like, kind of like a... Like a, it's supposed to like start off as a regular holiday movie, yeah, like a then, horror holiday movie, right? Yeah, yeah, and then morphs into a uh, horror movie. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird hybrid, I guess. But no, of course we're talking about the Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice trailer number three, and that special sneak peek we got two days before on Monday that uh, debuted on Gotham. So before we get into the trailer, I actually want to talk about that sneak peek we got on Monday because. Man, if they, we just got that this week, I would have been happy because that was pretty awesome and, man, so intriguing. <laughs> I just cannot wait to find out what that whole sequence is going to play about or play out. Because the more we see it, the more question it raises. <laughs> you don't get more clarification. Because remember when the first trailer came out, we saw that shot of Superman going down to that bunker and those soldiers that kneel before him. So now we see a little more of that and how it all plays out. And I don't know about you, Dave, man. I was surprised to see Batman tied up in there and these other two uh, prisoners right beside him. So my my reaction was like, man, what the heck is going on here? Like, I must know. <laughs> but what did you think of that sneak peek we got on Monday? Yeah, it's just one. Of, I mean, it was like the perfect teaser. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, was the, it was the perfect little teaser. It, and it makes you question, like, what they're really doing in this movie. Because... I don't know. For some reason, I thought it was just like a regular, you know, superhero movie. Like, you know, this is Batman, this is Superman, this is Wonder Woman. They're going to fight, and then they're going to fight together. And that's going to be the end of the story. And it's also going to open up the Justice League movies. But then, with, with this little teaser, it's like, I don't know, it just makes you question what... It, what, makes, it almost what like a whole other movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... It's, it's kind of like Batman v Superman is going to be broken into two movies. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like that with that clip, but I don't know. I I liked it. Yeah, I like the look of it too. I mean, I mean, every time we see like new shots of Ben Affleck's Batman, I mean, it just is <laughs> looking like the perfect Batman. <laughs> I mean, visually anyway, because that shot of him just hanging there with his like facial expression, the scene of him in the cowl, I mean, it's, it's Batman right there. <laughs> That's the Batman from the comics. Like just more and more impressed with how he looks and we'll talk about other stuff later in the trailer but just in this particular spot it was just yeah, really cool yeah, seeing Superman can, rip that mask off from him and then seeing his reaction and you can kind of sort of put it together you know because we, when we first saw that that I don't know what we're calling it the daytime Batman yeah desert Batman yeah the desert Batman it was like wait what is that but with this clip now you can kind of put it together it's like okay so Batman is going after Superman, and he unfortunately lost this battle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, at least against his with his 
soldiers that he has. It looks like there might be too many for him to take on, and they get the better of him. Yeah, it's like he has his own private soldiers. Yeah, it's, man, but why, though? <laughs> Here's the thing. I know, I mean, I think this, too, where it's probably going to end up being a dream sequence, or I don't know, maybe a vision Batman has or something. But there's another part of me that thinks, isn't that, like, I kind of expected to do something else because it seems a little too obvious when you're seeing the sequence in the trailers knowing how different it looks from the other parts of the movie so i just kind of even though i kind of expect it to be a dream sequence or something to that effect there's a part of me that's thinking uh they might have something more clever in store if they're like showing a lot of this and people are going to assume that maybe they're showing it to get people to think that it's a dream but then actually it's going to be something totally different i mean i don't know i'm kind of 50 50 on how that's going to play out in the context of the movie but are, are you thinking more dream sequence or any other theories that you have? I hope not. <laughs> you know, I just hate to see a dream sequence. Like, oh, this was a dream. This part was a dream. Even, the, but it looks so cool. Mm. You know, it looks so cool, and then oh, it was a dream. Yeah, because the big thing of what makes me and I know a lot of other people is just how Superman is in that. I mean, when there was a lot of debate about it when the clip came out about Superman being so evil <laughs> in there. Yeah, yeah, but look how they're promoting Superman in these trailers, the, the teasers. It seems like he's a god, kind of. And yeah. maybe, like, the sor- sort of... He thinks of himself as a representation of God or something like that. And it gets... It, it gets to his head, you know. He gets a big ego. Yeah, see, I mean, I can see that playing out if they're doing a totally separate story. <laughs> like, kind of like almost something like Injustice, Gods Among Us. But it seems like we keep talking about it, it's so different from what we we're already seeing in Batman v Superman. The normal parts of the movie where they fight and stuff in the city with Wonder Woman. And knowing, like you said, how it's supposed to set up Justice League. I don't, it just seems too much to tackle in one movie. Superman gets like a big ego and all that and he creates these soldiers in a short period of time. So it's, it's either dream sequence or Lex has something to do with it because, well, I'll bring up another point once we get into the trailer, which we can go ahead and get into now, but I just think that short minute long preview we got was really cool. I mean, I know, like I said, it got, it was kind of split amongst fans of our reaction, mainly because of Superman, but it's kind of hard to really criticize it when you don't have the context and we're still questioning what it's all about. Yeah. But to me, it did its job, and because you know, even this trailer kind of got criticized for showing too much. This is something where they showed you a lot, but it just raised more question, and you have no idea what's going on, which, as I think, is what great teasers do. So, on uh, just judging that one clip alone, I thought it was great. Yeah, but I mean, are are they? I don't know. To to me, they're they're painting Superman as the villain. Ca- almost of this movie up until the point of that one scene we saw in the trailer. Right. Yeah. See, and if we're just basing it off that clip, I think, yeah, but, but, they but said, is it because we're Batman fans and we're seeing it through Batman's point of view or <laughs> that's a good point I mean, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do, do Superman fans feel the same way that they're painting Superman almost as a villain in oh, the, all they, the trailers and teasers and everything we've seen so far. Yeah, they totally are. I mean, yeah, some Superman fans are not happy about this yeah. at all. Yeah, so, yeah. But at the same time, too, we know that in interviews, Zack Snyder's even said that Batman was kind of brought into this as to be like the antagonist of the movie, not necessarily a villain, but he's, you know, the one Superman has to deal with mainly. And he, and 
their eyes anyway. It's like Batman has that role, but I don't know. It's, you can kind of see both point of views for it where, like you said, it's going to come down to like Batman fans and Superman fans where Batman fans are probably... Oh, dang it, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in the text by dad. And my, my dad asked what the volleyball score was. The college volleyball. <laughs> I just saw that text pop up yeah. saying they almost lost. <laughs> oh, my bad. No, but anyway, at least yeah, I'm up to go. date on the score now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we'll have to see where how it all fits in the movie. Who actually was painted more as the villain? But I think there'll be a good portion where, on Batman's eyes, and when we see his scenes, that Superman's portrayed that way, and then with the Superman and Clark stuff, it'll be Batman who's portrayed as like the antagonist of it. But we'll have to see. But getting into the trailer, I mean, it's, I'll probably since it's at the beginning. I'm going to go ahead and give my favorite part of it, which is just how it starts with that interac- interaction with Bruce and Clark. I mean, as a DC fan and like growing up on the animated series stuff and seeing their team up on that, those two series for the first time, I always thought was something special. And now seeing it for the first time in live action, seeing Clark Kent say the words Bruce Wayne and then seeing Bruce Wayne saying, like, talking to Clark Kent and saying things about the Daily Planet and Superman. It was this total geek out moment. And they weren't even in their costumes. Uh, I just love the portrayal that Ben Affleck is having as not only Batman, like I talked about, just from looking like the character, but now just in his personality as Bruce Wayne. It's just, I think, perfect for what Bruce would respond to these questions like Clark. And one of my favorite moments in the trailer is when Clark just asks him, like, what's your thoughts on the Batman and all that? And he just stares at him and gives him that little smirk. <laughs> That's like a perfect Bruce Wayne response right there. So that opening sequence it already had me loving this trailer. I, I just love it when I'm seeing from both Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck and their interaction together. Yeah, and are we seeing a little bit of the Batman 89 uh, Batman Returns, uh, Batman the Animated Series flavor there with that old car. Yeah, huh? <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that's too, yeah. immediately what I thought of. Yeah, because it's nothing like the cars Christian Bale drove in the no, dark. It night. was always Lamborghinis. Yeah, so. <laughs> that is a nice touch, though. Yeah, but, yeah. Hello, are you geeking out as much as I am about the how Clark and Bruce are interacting with each other? Not so much that scene. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's. It, it, it's more uh, Ben Affleck. The more I see him, the more I fall in love with his Batman. I mean, it's just it it for it, it looks good and it sounds good. Yes, like, it, it, I mean it's like the perfect combination. But I have to say, the highlight of this uh, trailer and is, is this going to be the final trailer or are they going to? I think so, but yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see when we get closer to the release. Because I don't right. know, we got we thought the third Force Awakens trailer was it, but then we got that international one, so maybe yeah, it'll yeah. be a different like version of it, kind of like that was with more footage. But. Yeah. So I have to say the the highlight of this trailer to me was was Wonder Woman. How like that you it. know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how it seems like Batman nor Superman can stop what. I guess we can call Doomsday. Yeah, it's Doomsday. Um, <laughs> with her shield, and she just looks so cool, and it's yeah. so great to see Wonder yeah. Woman, because we've seen Superman, we've seen Batman how many times, but to see Wonder Woman for the first time, yeah. I mean, that last shot with the three of them there, I mean, yeah, that's that's iconic already. <laughs> Seeing 
DC's Trinity, the big three of the DC universe together on screen in one shot for the first time was just, it looks awesome. I mean, all the characters look perfect. I mean, we still haven't heard Gal Gadot talk as Wonder Woman, so hopefully we'll hear something out of her before the movie comes out, but just that shot looks awesome. I mean, if I want to give a little nitpick about it, it would have been cooler if Batman wasn't holding some type of gun. I mean, I don't think it's a machine gun or anything, just some type of like blaster that's going to help take down Doomsday. Maybe there's tasers in there or since he knows it's yeah. Doomsday, maybe it does have some heavy firepower, but I'm not expecting, you know, Batman to be having a machine gun out through all the movie, but yeah, I was, I was about to bring that up. What is that gun? <laughs> I know. Is, so, is that like an EMP gun or is that like, it could be the same thing we were thinking about on the dark Knight yeah. rises when we saw yeah. those shots in the trailer. So, <laughs> Oh no, Batman has a gun. <laughs> yeah. So I got, if it's like something specifically like he created maybe in response to Superman, but now Doomsday here, so he has to try to use it on him, I won't get too upset about it because it's not something you probably normally use. So, but man, that shot <laughs> should have seen the like big grin on my face when the trailer. I was watching for the first time, and the trailer ended with that. It was just so cool. We talk about wanting more. Geez. Yeah, yeah, that trailer more than the last one, I would say left me wanting more because you know you, you finally get to see batman fight and you, you, you know you, you see him fight uh superman even more and then we got more wonder woman and she's not in it for like a second yeah <laughs> maybe 10 seconds it's not. <laughs> yeah. so yeah i know this just, one left me wanting more and there was a another one of my favorite action parts where it was kind of towards the end we see batman flying in the batwing and there was a bunch of explosions going out, like around him. I think it probably cuts to a different time when he's using it, but he's firing a bunch of the machine guns in there, hitting Superman, and Superman's just taking the bullets like they're nothing. <laughs> this is such a cool shot. Yeah. And then Superman had a great line, too, where he's like, when they're fighting, saying, You know, if I really wanted to end this, I could have killed you already. So, again, kind of makes you think, what is there more to it than why? Superman and Batman have that fight. Well, we know why Batman's doing it, but why Superman allows it to go on for so long. Is he trying to find out more about Batman to see, like, get, I don't know, get more information on if he's truly, like, as big of a threat or as, I don't want to say evil, that's too strong, but viewing him yeah. as an enemy, I guess, more than he should. So I don't know. But I did yeah, like or, that one. Or, or maybe he's just giving him chances to show that he's fighting for good. Mm, yeah, that's true. To kind of yeah. show his point, like I'm not <laughs> your enemy type thing. You're trying to understand how Batman works. Yeah, you know it's it's different from Superman. How Superman, you know, does his thing. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just like trying to you know figure it out. Yeah, we also got a little more from Ben Affleck in his Batman voice, which I think sounds really cool too. I mean, it's you could tell there's like a little filtering to it, but yeah. I I think it fits from what how you would expect his Batman to sound too. So yeah, I, it's not crackly like Christian Bale's one. Mm, yeah, and I'm someone who never really complained about Christian Bale. So if oh I, yeah, yeah, me, me neither. I mean, I I like Christian Bale's voice, um, but this one it sounds just like Ben Affleck. But there's like a little tweak to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember all the. Uh, criticisms that the first two trailers got where there was like, oh, there's going to be no humor or like light moments between all these characters. It's dark, dark, dark and grim and all that. And then 
seems like Warner Brothers purposely wanted to address that <laughs> with the end of the trailer. Yeah. Where him and Superman interact, like when Wonder Woman comes, like she was you, it's like, no, I thought she was with you. It's like that's something they would say, or I expect to hear him say in like a Justice League animated series episode or something like that. So just little things like that. I think are capturing the tone, at least that I wanted to see between these two characters. And it's just a small portion of it. And maybe not even in this movie, but later on in Justice League, we're going to see more of that between those two characters and their, the banter that they have and the relationship that, that they're going to establish where they have respect for each other, but then they're going to like poke fun at each other a little bit too and give one another a hard time. So the little things like that just got me excited for what's to come between both of them also. Yeah, and it was great to see Batman and Superman working together and not fighting. Yep. I mean, we all knew that was going to happen, but I did yeah. see some responses on Twitter saying, oh, so they are going to team up. It's not just a fight. So I guess Warner Brothers wanted to establish that in this trailer, too, to kind of reassure, reassure those fans saying, you know, it's not just going to be a fight between those two characters for the whole movie. They're all going to team up. So good that they got that point across, too, from the general audience who maybe wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I loved the, it. I loved it. I'm sorry. <laughs> here's the question for you, though. Were you expecting Doomsday at all? <laughs> no. No, no. I mean, I know there was that rumor from... Uh, yeah. No, uh, was it um, El Miami's news site, or was it Latino Review? I don't remember where exactly it came from, but I do remember hearing that rumor a while ago. And I heard I it got denied, too. That's the thing. I'm not remembering the time frame as far as when that came out and when it got denied so i mean you know they could just deny it trying to keep a secret to keep the surprise going but at the same time too sometimes when they do deny it it ends up being true and it's not there so i was kind of expecting that where it wasn't going to be doomsday even though we knew there had to be some type of big threat to get everyone united to fight him so i think doomsday makes sense so it was cool to see him in there i was surprised after hearing the denial for it but at the same time it was like Oh, so the rumor was true. So it wasn't like a total shock. Like, oh, wow, they're bringing in Doomsday. I never would have saw that coming because we heard rumblings of it earlier. But what do you think of his design, though? I mean, I I, I seen it all over Twitter, but he looks like a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> the <laughs> new Ninja Turtles, yeah. yeah, the new Ninja Turtles. And to be honest, I kind of agree with that. Yeah, and also another comparison that I agree with, too, is that uh, he looks like the Abomination from the Incredible Hulk movie from 2008. <laughs> latest one. Yeah, that's, that's kind of true. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. But are are they kind of pulling the the trigger on Doomsday a little too early? Like, not, do you think they should have used Doomsday in this movie? I think it's probably the right decision. And yeah. the way I say that is because I think you want to even bigger villain for justice league because you need a big villain to get batman and superman and wonder woman to team up that would be doomsday but to get like green lantern flash batman superman wonder woman and uh aquaman cyborg to join up in justice league you're gonna need something bigger which i'm hoping <laughs> that is gonna be dark side especially with the army that he has so i think doomsday is a perfect like pre-big villain <laughs> or like the you know like video games have the big boss and they have like the sub boss before you get to that one. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that. So I think he's the perfect choice to use in this situation that they're building up in the movie. And plus too, he's a character that you can't, for a villain anyway, that's going to be real complex and you can get invested in because he's just a killing machine. He's not going to have a 
uh, like per- a personality that you get attached to or a sympathetic type villain. At least I don't think so <laughs> because Doomsday has never really been that. So they just if they just want to use some monster type villain without establishing like a a big backstory to get you hooked on and invested in the character and you just need someone there to, to get them to team up and fight, then this is the villain that's going to serve that purpose. Because with Darkseid, I think you need to get invested with his character, where he's coming from, and why uh, he's such a big threat. So that's where I would say that for Justice League. And plus you got Lex in this, which I'll get to in a second, but <laughs> I think Doomsday is going to serve the development as Lex into more of a villain too. So I'm perfect yeah, right. choice. So, so... Doomsday is just going to be that nothing character ca- character that just you know presents this exactly. problem for Super- Batman and Superman. But Lex is going to be the one that's really going to have that backstory, and you know it's going to be the one you know pulling the strings behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. before going to Lex, one thing about Doomsday: this is a theory because going back to the whole desert sequence. Where here's some people thinking, since that Superman is so evil, like maybe that's Bizarro. And that got me thinking too when I saw Doomsday, because you know Lex is experimenting with Zod's body, and that's probably going to result into the creation of Doomsday. But what if they kind of combine like both Bizarro and Doomsday in a way where maybe he tries to clone Superman, and he turns out evil, which is the one we see in that desert sequence. But then it kind of starts falling apart and just becomes more and more like unstable and not the Superman that Lex wanted or even a evil version of it. And it just turns into a monster. So he starts off as like a bizarre version. And then he full on goes into doomsday and he becomes this killing machine. Oh, I see like an uncontrollable monster, mm-hmm. uh, Batman and Superman fight, uh, him and he goes off someplace and he's going to come back for the justice league movie. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it all happened in this movie. Cause maybe we'll get a sequence. If, that whole desert Superman is like a bizarro and maybe him and Batman fight that version. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back even stronger and ends up being doomsday. So that's a potential besides being a dream sequence that I could see (laughs) that whole desert Superman going, but still it just seems totally different because that's right. There's that other shot in the trailer where we see Batman fighting those Superman soldiers. Then we got all those flying aliens or creatures in that sequence too that look like parademons from Apocalypse. So yeah, what is that? It reminds <laughs> me of like the was it the first issue of the New Fifty Two Justice League? Yeah, mm-hmm. reminds me of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, which was the parademons, and you don't get a good look at them because if you pause it on one of those shots, it looks like it could be one of those soldiers with wings and just looking more creature-like. So. I don't know. Again, that's another part of that sequence. Just go, what the heck is going on there? <laughs> just, first, you think it's a, just Batman in the desert. Then he gets captured by an evil Superman with guards. Okay, maybe it's a dream sequence. Oh, wait, there are these creatures who could be aliens. So, and that's following that whole sequence. Or maybe it's going to be a thing that's broken up throughout the movie where you'll see different pieces of that whole sequence play out. And then you'll finally know what it is at the end. I don't know. <laughs> it can go any way, but I'm just so intrigued by it. And if it is going to be like parademons, or will they start setting up dark side that early in this movie? For I don't think State? so. I don't think so. I know. I don't think they can do that. I don't know. Just give you a little tease where since their characters are creatures that don't necessarily need to be fully explained in this 
particular movie, and then once you see him later in Justice League, people will go, oh yeah, that's right, I remember him from there, but I don't know. <laughs> I just can't wait to see that sequence. Regardless, you know, we can't wait to see the whole movie, but I think more than any other sequence, as far as just from an intriguing standpoint, that's what I want to see the most, <laughs> the whole desert sequence. And may, hopefully it won't get like revealed or spoiled before the movie comes out because yeah. I'm starting coming to the point where I just want to see what happens <laughs> there when I see the movie. Or, or maybe they're going to do the same thing Marvel did in the Avengers where they had the first Avengers. Was it the first Avengers movie where it had that purple guy? I think his name is Thanos. 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 Yeah. And it seems like the next Avengers movie is going to be about him. Mm, yeah. Maybe they're going to do something like that, like a end credits teaser. Yeah, I could totally see that, but that's the thing. They did that's in the movie, the sequence with those flying creatures. So if they're doing a tease, yeah. they're doing it in movie, which is different, which I'd be okay with. I mean, like I said, it's, it's probably something that's not going to be too consequential for the movie, but we still have no idea for that sequence. So who knows at this point? But I have to get to my one complaint about the trailer. And it's going to be Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me I too. am not digging it. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I'm glad we both agree because, I don't know, it, so, sometimes I feel like it's just me that, that doesn't like his Lex Luthor. Mm. And I kind of said this when we were talking about the second trailer where he was saying the whole red coats are coming and how it kind of looks like they're going with a like a Lex Luthor is not so serious, which is the version I want. I want a CLX that's more like from the animated series. But I go, well, maybe it's just that one line of dialogue that he has there. That's the one time he's saying stuff like that. But nope, <laughs> he was full on, be almost as comic relief in that sequence where he's introducing himself to Clark and Bruce. I was like, ah, not again. Gene Hackman, the Kevin Spacey, and now we're going this one with Jesse Eisenberg's Luthor. I just, I'm tired of seeing that Lex on the big screen that way. I just want like a stoic, serious businessman who like takes nothing from nobody and like knows, like is intimidating. This Lex doesn't look intimidating. And yeah, that whole thing about Superman, like, oh, you have a good grip. Don't want to pick a fight with this guy or something like that. It's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of campy. Yeah, more so than I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like Jesse Eisenberg isn't playing Lex Luthor, he's playing himself. Or he's playing that character, Mark Zuckerberg from The the Social Network. Mm -hmm. Seems like he's playing that that character in this movie as Lex Luthor, and it it just doesn't work. I'm sorry. I I almost can't even stand it when he's on the screen. It's funny because... I was watch. I was waiting for the trailer to get put up. I was. I knew a time was going to go on. I was on like the YouTube page. It wasn't there. And then I can hear like my brother watching something from his phone. It's really like, oh, is that the new trailer? I don't see it yet. It was, it was at the point where Lex starts talking and he was saying that whole line yeah. when he's introducing. Was like, oh, nah, that's it. That's not it. That sounds like some <laughs> comedy movie or something. <laughs> then what I saw I was like, oh boy, it is from it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. I mean. I think we're probably going to get some scenes with him being the Lex that we all know and love, especially when he's getting Zod's body and trying to create Doomsday. But I just hope it's more of that than the more jokey Lex that we see here. And my big hope is once he loses his hair, he loses his sense of humor, and he goes on full yeah. like serious Lex mode. 
Yeah, I think that's just like an early scene in the movie, and then as the movie goes on, he's going to become this big evil person, you know, the, yeah. or the Lex that we know. Because remember the first picture that came out with him was him in like a jail suit and his head was shaved, just like how yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lex the, the the black and white one, right? Yeah, and he looks dead serious in that shot too. So when yeah. I saw that, I was like, oh man, this looks like could be the Lex I've been waiting for, but. Not maybe yet, the so. hair, maybe the hair is the key to his campiness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once he loses it, he loses the camp. Yeah. <laughs> That's he's like the DC universe's Samson, except for straight yeah. his jokey side. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's my one nitpick, and I don't I don't want to say concern about the movie because I don't think Jesse Eisenberg's performance, whether I don't like it when I see the movie, is going to kill it for me because. <laughs> everything else I'm seeing is just so darn awesome. It's just almost unbelievable that we're finally getting this <laughs> as DC fans. Something we've been wanting for so long and then seeing how successful Marvel has been with their uh, cinematic universe and now seeing it with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Just, it's just really awesome. And Man, Force Awakens in two weeks and then three months later we get this. It's just insane. <laughs> it's going to be a good... 2016. Yes, it is. <laughs> and even the trailers we're going to get before The Force Awakens are going to be great because this is going to be attached to it. And Civil War is going to be on there. Should be getting a new X Men. And I'm kind of hoping we get a Rogue One teaser, maybe what we got at Celebration, <laughs> just to kind of get the word out there for that. So even though we probably all will just be waiting for The Force Awakens to get started, I'm not going to mind sitting through this trailer again, that's for sure, <laughs> especially on the big screen. Yep. So watch The Force Awakens, but before that, watch the Batman v Superman trailer. Of course, yes. I wonder if what if that's going to be the last one they show. <laughs> if they show a Rogue One trailer, I think that would be last. But if if not, I wonder what will be for like the last big one leading into The Force Awakens. So which one are you excited, to, the most excited to see on the big screen? Rogue One. Batman v Superman or Civil War? Uh, it's got to definitely be Batman v Superman. <laughs> it's Rogue, not going to be Rogue One. Rogue One, if it is what we saw at Celebration, I already saw that on a big screen, so it won't be like a brand new experience. <laughs> so Yeah, what was that? It was basically just, it was like a camera shot panning over a planet that looked like a jungle, and then as a zooming over, you hear a TIE fighter, and you see a TIE fighter fly by, and as the camera pans up, out in the distance in the sky, you see the Death Star in the background, and then you see like calm chatter between soldiers as the screen goes black, and then the oh, so Rogue One logo pops up. Pretty much nothing then. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> like it was the definition of a tease, especially yeah. if they haven't filmed anything yet during the time of celebration. They're filming right now, right? Yeah, they got they got to have a lot of footage already. If they yeah. wanted to, they can easily put out a trailer because they've been filming for several months now. Oh man, I kind of want to see that <laughs> that Rogue One now. <laughs> I know it's gonna feel totally different from I think any Star Wars movie we've seen before, which has me yeah. excited for it. Well, it's because they don't really have to stick to that Star Wars sort of I don't know flair. Exactly. Yeah. No, they can do what they want. Yeah, they keep building this up as a war movie just set in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, yeah, we love the trailer. Trailer's out. If you haven't seen it yet, you 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 better go and see it now. Yeah, I mean, I've 
it done its, it did its job with the last trailer. I mean, even the first I know the first one gets a lot of flack saying it wasn't a good trailer. I mean, I still really liked it just <laughs> seeing those two characters on screen for the first time. But the second trailer really sold me that I think this is going to be something special. And then this one, besides the whole Lex Luthor thing, it just added more to my expectations for it and just my excitement for it. So I can't wait to see this movie. I think it's going to be something incredible for all DC fans to experience. But I also have the feeling, too, that this is going to be the most divisive superhero movie ever. <laughs> You're going to have tons of people hating it and tons of people praising it. I mean, I, I bet it's going to be hard to find someone in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you said that because I'll, I'm starting to think the same thing. I think it, you, you're either going to love it or you're either going to hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not really going to be that middle. And the people that love it, I'm hoping that there's a lot of them because yeah, you know, we got to get that Justice League movie going. You know, I mean, everyone's entitled to different opinions, of course, but I, I don't know why I just really am puzzled by why even I think die diehard Superman fans and Batman fans aren't excited about this movie. Don't think it looks good. I mean, I mean, you heard me complain about Lex Luthor, but that's not doesn't kill my excitement for it. I just can't imagine what are they what the people who are disappointed what they're expecting differently from it in a batman superman team-up movie or batman versus superman movie like well how different do you actually want it to be for you to get excited besides the whole thinking that's too grim and too dark and superman needs to be more of like a a symbol of hope and all that but i'm not getting that vibe it's getting me excited (laughs) i mean it's almost exactly what i wanted to see in a batman superman movie so Hopefully more people get on board with it by the time it comes out, but I just like I said before, I think it's going to be really divisive amongst comic book fans and even just DC fans. <laughs> so yeah, should be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, that's what I don't get either because maybe it's these people that you know nitpick at certain things, like it's it's not the Batman that I grew up reading mm-hmm. or something. It's not the Superman that I love. Even though, like, like, one of the defining or one of the best Superman stories, uh, you know, by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, Superman for all seasons, throughout that entire book, Clark and Superman, it seems like they're depressed, or it seems like, you know, they're they're homesick, mm. and it's it's almost sad, and he's really really, I mean, it just seems like he's depressed, and it's not only to, it's only. It's only the end that you see the Superman that you recognize. And I'm sure Superman fans have read that book. And I don't know. I just don't get it, you know? And I kind of think that's what they're going for, too, in this movie, where Superman's, you kind of, when he's talking to his mom, like not being so sure <laughs> about doing this yeah. anymore. But I think by the time we're done, we're in the Justice League, he's going to be that symbol of hope and the hero that I think everyone expects or at least the fans anyway, expect him to be and how they want him to be from the comics and everything. So I think by the time we get there, he's, it's going to be established that way. And I mean, to a certain point, I guess I agree where he is not really that, you know, that, uh, I don't want to say Boy Scout type Superman because I was glad they kind of got rid of that uh, stigma that was attached to him as being the Boy Scout and Man of Steel. So, but I guess just have him be more of that leader role of like that, the, 
main superhero that everyone aspires to be like like everyone says that real like symbol of hope and just that where you know superman's there to to protect you and we do get a little bit of that where we see him saving that rocket and going to that family's house that's flooded so it is going to be there but by the time we get to the movie or link justice league and hopefully by the time this one ends because i think batman's gonna kind of be that fan's perspective (laughs) where they maybe they don't those fans who think superman's too dark and he's too somber and he's not that symbol of hope that he should be by the end of the movie if batman thinks that he was wrong and realized that superman is that character then the fans hopefully will too so we'll see if that's how it plays out because you know him and batman are gonna have to get along by the end so hopefully it'll be the same for the fans but one thing i'll say too i mean regardless on where you stand on it it's just shows you how popular and powerful these two characters are they got so many people (laughs) just debating and sometimes it can get a little extreme amongst fans but just the fact that there's so many different opinions on it just shows how far in a way (laughs) that these two characters are than any other superhero out there as powerful i mean as popular and successful as the marvel universe is with their characters now i mean they never causes this much (laughs) debate (laughs) that's a <laughs> as it does with Batman and Superman, just because they've just been so established so long and they're so iconic that it yeah. just shows you that there's so many people can have different views on these characters because there's been so many iterations of them. Which, in a way, it makes a makes it good. In a weird way, the negative outcome just shows how like great of characters they are in the positive light. I guess is <laughs> the positive spin to look at it. Well, yeah, and how 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 could we forget this too when uh. Uh, Clark is talking to Bruce, or Bruce is talking to Clark. He says something like, "I don't know, maybe it's too many years of fighting clowns in Gotham." That's right. Oh, in man. suits or something. That line was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and you immediately think about Jared Leto. Yeah, isn't that what's so cool? You have the face to that Joker already, which is awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it was like I don't know, maybe we just had like our fill with. Uh, clowns or in funny suits, something like that. You're right. Yeah, it was yeah. such a great line. <laughs> that's that goes again to how great Ben Affleck's performance is as Bruce Wayne is. <laughs> like, right, right. It's almost to that point where we've said even in the shots of him in the costume, we're not seeing Ben Affleck, we're seeing Batman. And I'm getting that feeling already with this Bruce Wayne. You're not seeing Ben Affleck, you're seeing Bruce Wayne, which, I mean, how can you ask for any more than that with his performance? Yeah, because that line can sound really, really cheesy and tacked on there but it but ben affleck pulls it off yep you know it's 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 not like he he knows that the fans know what that is <laughs> yeah <laughs> man remember back in 2013 i mean we were never down on the casting but we were still wondering how what his performance would be like and i gotta be honest yeah, i wasn't yeah. imagining it to be this good and this dead on <laughs> yeah it wasn't a matter of I don't like Ben Affleck because he made this movie. It was how is he going to play it? Like I was, uh, I was really wondering how he was going to, you know, pull off Batman and you know, of course, Bruce Wayne because you know if you, you can't do a good Batman if you don't have a good Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I think it's safe to say now, what two years later, that he, he's he's got it, <laughs> he's got it down. Yeah. I mean, it's too early to say that, oh, he's the best Batman ever because they haven't seen the movie yet, but I wouldn't be surprised after I see the movie if I have that opinion of him. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah. I think it was going to be impossible to surpass Christian Bale's Batman, but it's like, uh, Ben Affleck's already giving him a run for his money, <laughs> as much as I'll always love Christian Bale's performance. We'll just see which one ends up on top for me in the end. <laughs> well, it's great to love everybody, Tim. Except Clooney and Kilmer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Otherwise, you're limiting yourself, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess that's it. Yep can't wait for it now we just gotta have it come out yeah we just gotta have it come out <laughs> three months Tim. now i know how you feel about or felt about uh force awakens <laughs> hey, at least we can see that movie over and over again until march <laughs> hopefully it'll still be in theaters by then right. right uh but moving on to some questionable news <laughs> yes <laughs> very very questionable um Frank Miller is going to write Dark Knight 4. You must have been so excited when you heard that, Dane. Oh, I was so thrilled. I... More so than the Batman v Superman trailer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this totally blew that trashy trailer out of, you know, out of my <laughs> mind. Um, no, no. This, this um, yeah, no. I, I don't think this is going to be good. This is, I don't think this is going to be right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, Azrael is already doing part three, and I thought Frank Miller was supposed to be helping him do it. Yeah, this whole thing came off uh, worse timing too. It was like it sounds bad. Yeah, right? the week before the Dark yeah. Knight three came out, I believe, and it just makes you think like Frank Miller was bitter about the whole thing, where maybe he didn't. Since he didn't write all of it, and since this was my story from the beginning, I want to be the one who has like the final part of it. I mean, in his comments, he says, like, I thoroughly applaud what Brian's doing, but now that he's doing this, it's now a four-part series. I'm doing the fourth, like, saying it can't end unless I do it all by myself. Which, in a way, sounds... It makes... It, when I first heard it, it made me less excited for Dark Knight 3, and I wasn't even that excited for it to begin with, but... It's getting good reviews. Yeah, which made me pick it up which we'll review at the end of the episode but yeah. before that it was like uh this is i mean do they really need a dark knight 3 i guess if they want to make it a trilogy of stories and have it end with a third okay but now that there's a fourth it kind of made me less interested in the third one thinking well if this isn't the final one and not really what frank miller wanted then is it just out there as a cash grab to kind of have the Dark Knight title on there. I mean, and it's not no fault of Brian Azzarello's, and I'd rather have him <laughs> rather than Frank Miller from the recent stuff he's done. So it just put a whole thing in a bad light, I think, because make Frank Miller look bitter that he wasn't doing the final story by himself. And then now the Dark Knight 3 can't be built up as the final part of the Dark Knight uh, Returns trilogy. So it, it was just bad timing all around. So depending how Dark Knight... Well, even if it does end great with Brian Azzarelli, you can't expect the fourth one to, I think, live up to it if Frank Miller is going to be the only one writing it. So, yeah, it's nothing that got me excited. <laughs> Someone who wasn't excited for the announcement of Dark Knight 3, this one even less so. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the uh, the Mad Max movies and George Miller. How he, you know, he did, what, the first two Mm-hmm. And then for like 20 years, he couldn't get the third one done, the new, the newest uh, Mad Max movie. Except, I think Frank Miller's like I think Frank Miller has 
like destroyed his credibility. Yeah, like this fully help destroyed his credibility. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dark Knight Two, which w- was terrible. I mean, I, I I don't care. I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that say Dark Knight Two is a great book. I don't see it. I've read it multiple times, and I don't care wow, for possible. it. <laughs> well, twice. <laughs> Still, I'm sure a lot more than other people, and twice as yeah. more as me. You go, I've never read it. <laughs> um, and I mean, he he he's just done crap work. I mean, the, the Sin City movie, the second one, uh, the Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Always bring up the Spirit when we got a yeah, yeah. knockdown break, Bill. <laughs> Well, I mean, they spent all that money on that movie, and they made crap. <laughs> um, and you know, a bunch of other things, not only in movies, but in comic books. Like that one that was supposed to be a Batman story, but DC said no, so he just did his own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just stuff like that, and some of the comments he says, I think he's ruined his credibility. And it kind of makes you think, too, where... He- probably his involvement wasn't that much in the dark Knight three at all. He probably just got a little bit of credit on there. I'm sure he'd done a little contribute to the writing yeah. and story, but this is probably Brian Azzarello's baby here, which uh, yeah. in my opinion is a good thing for the book. Really? <laughs> That's all the things you were saying. So, cause Brian Azzarello is awesome. And <laughs> cause when you have, like, like I said earlier, if you want to have one dark Knight book, that's, written by Brian Azzarello, maybe with a little bit of Frank Miller, or one that's just all Frank Miller by himself, based on his recent track record, track record you're going to go yeah. with Brian Azzarello. So. Or maybe it's one of those things where he, uh, Frank Miller was just a consultant. He wasn't an actual writer on the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, DC came to him and said, hey, Frank, what do you think about this? And then he says, no, I don't like that don't ever do that you know on my dark knight returns books and then dc came back to him and said well we're doing it and maybe he just got upset about that i'm sure something like that must have happened yeah yeah because this has been billed as the last part of the trilogy so something weird must have happened in a story point perspective between him or dc or him and azarello so have first we got to get through dark knight 3 and see where we're left with that and if it doesn't end good and you kind of can have some hope, well, maybe Dark Knight 4 will wrap it up, as unlikely that's probably going to be. <laughs> It'll wrap it up good. Maybe that'll be something to look forward to. But then if Dark Knight 3 ends on a great note and it is like a fitting ending to the Dark Knight Return story, it could, it's going to be a negative because, oh, there's one more <laughs> that you got to read through to get the real ending, and we'll see how good it is. So, yeah, it was an announcement that got me excited, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna tell you straight off. I'm not gonna read Frank Miller's book. I'm just not gonna. I just can't do it, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, at this point right now, yeah, I'm not planning on getting <laughs> it. But I was kind of waiting on Dark Knight three too. I got that first issue, so just because I've heard how great it was. So, um, but let's talk about something positive too. Yeah, and I know you're chopping at the bit, so I'll just hand it to you too. Yes, yeah, a comic story of batman that i'm definitely looking forward to in 2016 is that paul dini is going to write a new graphic novel called uh, dark knight a true batman story and it's dark knight as in not the dark knight we're familiar with with a k it's just knight n-i-g-h-t 
And I first saw the headline, oh, cool, Paul Dini's doing a Batman graphic novel, like sold already. But then when you actually read it, it was a Hollywood reporter that broke the story. And it's actually going to be Paul Dini kind of, it's going to be a personal book for him because he's going to recount an experience of him basically getting mugged and robbed one night that it made him like think I spent all this time riding superheroes with Batman and Superman and all these other characters. But when it really happens and they're not there, it's something that really affected him. And you could definitely see why too. And the fact that he's coming out now with a story about that, it's, I mean, I just can't wait for it. He goes on to say, like, he got real emotional just writing the story. There were some nights after writing, he'd just be overcome by his emotions and had started crying. Sleep. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm expecting a real personal story here from Paul Dini. And I think even the characters in the story, is, his name is Dini. So, yeah, it's going to be some really personal on there. It's going to be told from, like, the Batmans and Jokers are going to be the ones who are mainly involved with it, too. So... It's definitely intriguing, and in a way, it's kind of somewhere. You, of course, you feel bad for Paul Dini for going through that like traumatic experience of getting robbed out there, but then uh, I just hope it translates well into the story. Where see, it's kind of somewhere. I don't want to sound mean, like oh, I hope like you really feel bad for the character that he went through in the story just because it's Paul Dini's, but. Knowing that he went through it and just knowing how what a great writer he is, I'm just expecting to be really emotional, like invested in this character emotionally for what he's going to go through, where you will feel that like sympathy for him, and then just how that character in the story is going to be interacting with Joker and Batman too. I mean, I just can't wait for it. Yeah, me neither. And this is what I like to hear, you know, is like a creator that's you know emotionally tied to the story, and that you know he's not just doing it because you know he. <laughs> he kind of got slighted with the third part of his story, you know? Yeah. It seems like Paul Dini is a really, I don't know, is passionate the right word about this story? Yeah, I think so. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But, Cause it's like passionate, but, but I mean, he way, says he was he, he's saying too. like, yeah, yeah, he's saying like, you know how he couldn't sleep and, you know, he was, he woke up crying and stuff from this attack and I don't know if personal or passionate is the right word but more just getting it on the page because you know this is he's having a problem with it you know mm-hmm. yeah because I mean it goes on to, like I was mentioning earlier where he was saying to himself after he experienced that like where are my heroes when I needed them after experiencing that right. traumatic event but then he goes no like i have i have to be my own hero that's what you have to be and that's what the story is going to play into and i just can't wait to find out about that so it's going to be even though it's going to be a fictional story it's going to be an insight to what paul dini's mental state was probably during that time and dealing with that event that he had to go through so it's just a fascinating way to get a batman story i think especially from a writer i've loved so much from batman the animated series to his comic runs he's done so much for the character and now it looks like we just got might get his definitely his most personal one and maybe his best one yeah so i just can't wait yeah you know what i will say passionate or passion for this project because i mean of course everybody's heard that that, uh, fat man on batman podcast Mm -hmm. where he's talking about mr freeze and how he made mr freeze Mm -hmm. 
or reinvented Mr. Freeze. And he starts crying about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I'll, I'll say passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, so it comes out in June 2016, and that's definitely going to be a highlight in the year, for that year of Batman, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, what also comes out in 2016 is a new Batman game from uh, Telltale Games. And I do have to say, I've played both of their Walking Dead games, and I've played their Game of Thrones games. And, um, yeah, they, they know how to make t- tell a really good story and make really good games. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, I probably think you played more of their games than I have, because I've only played their Back to the Future one which I really yeah. like, but yeah, what, just based on that and just knowing the track record, even though I haven't played them, mm-hmm. it, excited for this game. <laughs> I mean, we got, uh, we're done with the Arkham series, and now we're going to get an adventure-style type Batman game, which I like the description is really dealing with, you know, the dual personality of Batman, so you can get really cool moments with Bruce Wayne and Batman in this, and probably more of a Batman's detective uh, skills too would be on display as you're playing here. So I really can't wait to see the art style for too, because you know, tell tale has their unique uh, look for the games that they develop. So I just really can't wait to see what, if it's going to be something totally new that they're doing with the Batman story, or I can even see them doing an adaption of a classic comic book story or something like that. So just another thing to look forward to in 2016 for Batman. It's going to be a good year, video games, comics, and, and a, the Batman v Superman movie. <laughs> and that's only, we're still in 2015, we're getting these announcements, so who knows what other stuff we'll have to look forward to once we get further down in the year. Yep, so with that, I guess we can move on to our listener feedback slash conversation with Alex. Uh, are you ready, Tim, for this? Let's do it. I think it's just going to be a conversation with Alex for this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And Alex has, a, has two really big, I think it's two are really big questions. So, or is it one? Do you see it though? Oh, I was just oh. trying to get it up right <laughs> <I was> now. Just... <laughs> Never mind. Um, he says, "Yo, my emo brethren." <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Great episode as always. I tried listening to some of the albums you guys list- listed as your favorite favorites from the '90s, and I think you just have to listen to Dane and accept it too. Emo music. That is tortured soul you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said that was the last episode. I don't like that tagline of emo, but I guess apparently I do listen to some emo bands. <laughs> from the Weezer. Weezer is an emo band. I know. I, like I said before, I don't like them having that label. Okay, so so let's recommend another uh, album for Alex to listen to. From the 90s? Yeah, from the 90s. I'm going to go more to, you know what, I feel since, I mean, we just heard last night that Scott Weiland passed away, which oh yeah, was, I was shocked to hear it. I was pretty boned when I found out. I love Stone Temple Pilots, so I would go with Stone Temple Pilots' second album, uh, Purple. I think that one's really good. What's their first album called? Uh, Core, I believe. Oh. Yeah, and I will recommend... Hmm. Damn, I stumped myself. <laughs> uh, oh, I know. Uh, uh, the Lonesome Crowded West by uh, Modest Mouse. It's their second album. 
Uh, and it's a couple albums before they got popular. Yeah, I was just going to say, I didn't know they had albums back in the 90s, because I remember they got big yeah. in the mid-2000s. I think that one came out in, like, 95 or 96, something like that. No, that's a good record. Not an emo record, <laughs> but a good record. Um, Stone Temple Pilots is definitely not emo either. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, but he goes on to say, uh, listen to jollier music. Recommend <laughs> I do. No, I don't think so, Alex. I'm just going to be depressed listening to my hard rock slash emo music as I'm using air quotes. So. <laughs> is this where some of the attraction to Batman comes from? Is Batman emo? The angst, the black outfit, the eye makeup is <laughs> in the live action portrayals. It all adds up. I believe the only emo superhero we saw in a movie was in Spider-Man 3 when Peter Parker was... <laughs> turning emo because of the symbiote suit which i don't want to get into how much i hated that (laughs) um but of course alex always has questions and they always stump us right Tim? well i don't know if this one's gonna stump me i'm gonna have a rebuttal for it so (laughs) well he says i recently went to watch the batman mask of the phantasm movie and when i saw the scene where he's saying i didn't count on being happy all i could think was either this guy is a complete nut or he's a big man-child. How old was he in that scene? He moved on from that point, right? I was thinking about all the kids who go through far worse trauma, especially now with what's going on across the globe. And it's kind of making me question the strength of Bruce's character. Maybe he hadn't had a chance to help himself because he'd been so busy being entrenched in the darkness while training. Or do you guys think he even needs help? Do you want the Ben Affleck Batman movies to go this route or make him more mature and sane like the Christian Bale depiction? Do you prefer a more altruistic or guilt-ridden motivation? Yeah, uh, Alex, this is a tough one for me to take because that scene in Phantasm is one of my favorite Batman moments. It just (laughs) shows you the determination that the character i mean you can make an argument yeah that bruce Wayne isn't really the most sane guy out there but i don't view him as like super crazy as someone who needs help i mean uh that trauma that he goes through it's pretty bad and sure there's probably worse examples but for a little kid seeing your parents shot and killed in front of you i mean it doesn't get much worse than that so i think that's enough for making him to that's what I liked about that scene. It really showed you how much that affected and how he doesn't get over it. That's why he is Batman, because he doesn't get over it. And he made that promise to when his parents died that he dedicated his life to doing that. So the fact that there was something out there that made him question his promise that he made, that's what made that scene so gut-wrenching, where that moment where he says, I never counted on being happy. I mean, how can that not hit you? Or like, you feel for this guy. <laughs> Someone who went through that trauma was never to be happy and he found ha- happiness and he doesn't know if he can do it because of that promise he made to his parents that he lost at such a young age that's young age so yeah i don't view him as a complete nut or being a big man child he's just someone <laughs> who's keeping his promise and the vow that he made to his parents were really the only people he ever knew and loved and had that taken away from him it's, yeah of course he's going to be doing things that aren't necessarily normal but not in a insane sense that i think where you need to be locked up on arkham or anything so yeah i'm hoping the ben affleck batman is more that route where and it is where he's again not necessarily 
the most sane person out there to go as someone who dresses up as a bat, but someone who's as dedicated as that Batman from the animated series and keeping that promise that he made to his parents. And then even though he was tempted not to fulfill it and kind of did give it up once he proposed to her in Mask on the Phantasm, but realized, no, that's not his calling. Once she left him, that was it. I mean, that's what definitely pushed him into becoming Batman full time. So yeah, can't agree with you on this one, Alex, on that scene. But to answer your question, yeah, I want more where it, it's his parents' murder that's driving him and the fact that he can't get over it because I think that's what pushes him to do it in the first place. So, yeah. <laughs> so, guilt-ridden motivation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with you because it, it's sort of one of those things that I I think Bruce looks at happy people or maybe like a happy couple or something. And he says to himself, I can't have that because of this, you know, mm, because exactly. of this promise I made. I, I can't have, I just can't do that. And it's a lot more personal that way in the sense that it's, it's it is Bruce. It's, it's not something like, you know, if, Tim wanted to go out and buy a Lamborghini or something, but he <laughs> he can't. He knows he can't have that because he can't he can't afford that, right? No way. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I think it's it's a lot more personal rather than you know it's it's altruistic. Well, I suppose altruism is personal because you're giving something of yourself for something else, for somebody else. Yeah, as much as I love the Dark Knight trilogy, the whole thing about Batman being a symbol to inspire other people, I mean, it works for the movie, and I like it a lot, but that's not my favorite version of why he's Batman. What's in the animated series is my favorite version of why he's doing it, because of his parents' death and the promise that he made to them, more so than trying to be a symbol of hope and to inspire Gotham to be a better place, so... If I had yeah. to choose between those two versions of why he's Batman, I'm always going to go with the animated series version more. And we were kind of talking about it earlier, uh, you know, the difference between Batman and Superman. I think Superman is the altruistic person. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Batman is the guilt-ridden motivation. Um, and yeah, I don't think Batman has ever been, to me, altruistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, they're, like I said, Dark Knight trilogy was kind of the closest version to that. Yeah, but you don't really see Batman portrayed like that too much. And again, it, it works really well for the movie. It's just not my favorite one when it comes to Batman. But that's the yeah, yeah, thing. and it's it, it's almost selfish too because you and, and this is what I like about Scott Snyder because he kind of touched on that you know with the breakup of, of the Bat Family mm. in his books. You know, it's almost a selfish kind of motivation rather than altruism. Yeah, he's like he's always going to put his mission as Batman first above everything else. That's what's most important to him. Yeah, even people that he cares about. Yeah. Like, like, uh, you know, Dick or Damien. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, dude. It goes that way too in the animated series when it gets to the new Batman Adventures. I mean, he's even more so just determined <laughs> for his mission. He gives Dick such a hard time, which is why Dick left. So, yeah, that's. I mean, that could be a version of Batman you don't like, which is fine, which makes the character great. <laughs> and there's plenty of other versions that you could look to as saying, yeah, that's 
the version of Batman of, and why he does what he does is what I like best. So, yeah, but can, can you give me can you give me an example of a comic book where Bruce or Batman was altruistic, not with his money, mm-hmm. but as Batman, yeah. Not like I'm gonna give my money to I'm gonna give some money to this charity, but you know something like would, would you kind of think No Man's Land in a way mm. when like how everything went cra- like <laughs> really bad when he wasn't there and then yeah. he kind of became that symbol of like hope when he finally did return where everyone looked like spray painting the Batman logo in certain spots yeah but even then wasn't he doing that for his city meaning like. You own something, I guess, in a way. But like, yes, citizens in there kind of viewed him more as like that symbol of hope. And that's yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about Bruce's perspective. Yeah, on it. yeah. Yeah, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you could think of any other examples, Alex. Let us know in yeah. the comics, anyway. Taking out the court of owls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, not really, because they were coming after him, and he really had no choice but <laughs> yeah. to try to take it down. He didn't even believe him at first. Yeah, because if he if he was truly altruistic, he would have killed the Joker in the first issue. Well, te- technically, the Joker did die in their first encounter, but <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> well, he, before Batman started killing, yeah. <laughs> he he would have killed the Joker. Yeah. Right. That's another thing too. His one rule about not killing people either, like you just mentioned too. That's another aspect of where maybe it is crazy that he doesn't do that. And you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you can eliminate the threat, but yeah, I mean that's what you don't. Part of what Jason Todd does, what he does as Red Hood. Yeah, because Batman doesn't do it that way. And again, I think that just adds another layer to the character. He's just so determined in his ways like no matter what he's not going to break him it's the reason why he's batman and the rules that he puts in place as batman that he always keeps and always puts first yeah but anyway (laughs) that was a good question by the way (laughs) yeah (laughs) um his second question is uh or i'm not sure if it's a question because it's in uh paragraph form but he says where does all the hope come from with the with uh, the Batman from the animated series. Every villain he puts away gets out and kills more people. He wasn't very effective. So why didn't he invest more into the city and hire better cops? Like you said in that, I didn't count on being happy scene. I understand that the comic book Batman has a lot of corruption to deal with. So he needs to do it by himself. But the uh, Batman the animated series police force seems pretty decent. Although they keep letting the criminals out so i guess not why did the criminals get such a pass who benefited i demand answers for this children's cartoon <laughs> well if you want the simple realistic answers because they got to make more episodes <laughs> they got to have those villains get back out that's the real reason why but if you're looking from a story standpoint i mean it's i think you could say that about any batman story listen a movie where you know it's not gonna last that long you can kill them off which i never like when they kill villains but oh the whole thing we're just saying where why he didn't just give more money to the cops like he said in the uh, scene of the phantasm at his parents graveyard i mean it's such an easy way out that's like he made that promise to his parents 
But then if he wants to go back, I don't uh, But I'll still give, still give money to the cop. It's like, no, nah, that's not really fulfilling your promise of you saying you're not going to let crime happen. What happened to you happened to anyone else. And just giving money to the police force ain't going to cut it. So, again, it just shows his determination to keep that promise and do whatever it takes to fulfill it as uh, – no, he didn't know he would be Batman then. But as to himself to complete the, what he set out to do and promise his parents and not taking the easy way out. So – I don't think it necessarily comes down to, you know, just not there being enough. Since there's no corruption and the police force and the animated series is pretty good, that they don't need Batman. They still are technically super villains that are in there that are more than the police to handle where you, you need a Batman. And that's kind of goes to the point of that trial episode where the villains try to put Batman on trial saying he created them and he's the reason for their existence. But that a good episode that kind of tackles that argument where it does drive home not drive home the point but it does establish and then but no it's really not batman's fault you're all (laughs) they're just doing that to themselves and it's they are thankful that batman is there to stop these crazies so yeah i guess hope that satisfies your answers to this children's cartoon but (laughs) (laughs) this comes down they just need villains to make more episodes really Yeah, but it's not only that. It's the fact that, like we said before, Batman is selfish. And, you know, he made that promise to himself that he's not going to kill. Mm-hmm. He's not going to use guns. So why do these villains get out? Because it's like putting a it's like putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. You know, it's, yeah. it's not really going to work. Um, but yet you go and do it. You know, you keep on doing doing it over and over and over again until you eventually die. So, yeah, yeah. that goes where he says to the point where where does all the hope come from with Batman the animated series? That was that's like going back to the whole Dark Knight trilogy. The animated series never kind of set out where there was an end game and that the Batman's goal was to create hope for Gotham City. That wasn't his intentions at all. So. Don't want to reset everything we said on the previous question that he mentioned, but it, I think it does go back to that where his motivations for being Batman in the animated series are something totally different. And no matter how few or how many villains there are out there, he's always going to be Batman. And it does cost him in the end because it ends up being alone in Batman Beyond. So it's it's a bleak. The character of Bruce in the animated series it's not a very happy one, especially where it ends up in Batman Beyond. So just. Not a great outcome, but it's the version of the character I like best. And I think in a weird way, it does suit him for him. That line where he says, never counting on being happy, it ends up being true <laughs> as we go down from the animated series to Justice League, then all the way up to Batman Beyond. But yet, I wouldn't have Batman any other way, because in the end, he did keep the promise he made to his parents, even at old age. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Isn't Batman or Bruce... Doesn't he end up ha- happy when he goes out and, you know, takes on the Joker or something? Happy? I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't call yeah. that happy. It's his or, Oh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, but anyway, because, thank you. I'm oh, sorry. One more ahead. thing. <laughs> yeah. Go like ahead. You, said, you said in a few episodes, like, he really died along with his parents that night, too. Yeah. So any chance of him being happy was lost that night. And I guess that's why, in a way... It does not being happy doesn't really bother him, or he accepts it of not being happy. Oh, I see. And plus, too, like like I've said on 
other episodes of this podcast, like Batman or Bruce, he's just empty inside. He doesn't have like, I don't think he has yeah. any feelings or emotions. Yeah, and like Dick calls and, him out on that all the time in the animated series. Which, yeah, and how, how can you be happy like that? How can yeah. you ever be happy like that? So, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, even Alex. though <laughs> I don't agree with your assessment on Mask of the Phantasm in the animated series, Alex, <laughs> your question brought up some great discussion topics, so thank you. Yes, it did. <laughs> well, it, they, they always do. <laughs> yeah, but, but it really hits home for me when we're on the animated series topic. So. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. Anything animated series, it could be like an animated series toilet paper, and you'd be like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, my bed, my my bathroom is complete. <laughs> <laughs> I would never want to use it though. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, you can use one if you buy two. I guess it would just be nice decoration having it hanging on the toilet paper uh, <laughs> roller. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Alex. We love you. Keep on sending in your emails. Sorry, we're throwing you off with the weeks, but uh, um. Yeah, we're tr- we're trying to get back on track. If I don't get sick and Tim doesn't go to Disneyland again, <laughs> go to Disneyland or I don't know. Yeah, we got to hear everyone's reactions on the Batman v Superman trailer. So yeah, and in fact, the, the the first time I watched, and I'm not lying, I'm really not lying. This is totally true. The first question after I watched the uh, Batman v Superman trailer was, I wonder what Alex thinks about this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so you gotta let us know, Alex. Yep, so let us uh, know. Which I'm sure he will, yeah. He never disappoints yeah. in all the main topics that go on in the Batman fandom. He's gonna write a PhD thesis on on this trailer. It's gonna be a <laughs> long email. <laughs> and then we'll have to wait for the movie review. That should be a good one. Oh, that's gonna be a thousand page novel. <laughs> Better start writing it now, Alex, even though you haven't <laughs> seen the movie yet. <laughs> That'd be funny if he stays up like five days in a row typing it out. <laughs> and then he sees the movie and it's totally different what he was expecting. That's yeah. to write it all over again. Um, but yeah, thank you, Alex, for sending in your email. And we love you, right, Tim? Yes, we do. All right, so we can get into our comic book reviews now. Um, and like we say at the beginning of every podcast, this is going to be a lot of spoilers. A lot of things you don't want to hear if you're waiting to read these books, right, Tim? Yep, we're gonna spoil the heck out of them. It's kind of like if I if I said that at the end of the Dark Knight Rises, Bruce ends up with Selina, and they meet up with Alfred at that Italian cafe <laughs> or whatever that is. Yeah, people would have been so mad at you on social media if you spoiled that. <laughs> um, After everyone so, was the rumors are saying, oh, Batman might, might not survive this movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, if you haven't read your books yet, you might want to come back to this part later because we're going to spoil the crap out of them, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. All right, so for this week, we're uh, reviewing Batman number 46, Batman Europa number one, and... Dark Knight 3, number 1, which I'm very, very, very curious about what you have to say about that, too. And a rating scale for this episode is going to be sequels to Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns that he's going to write because he needs the definitive end. 
I'll see if I can remember that word for word, but <laughs> I'll try to get the gist of it. All right. So Batman 46, and I'm sure even though we gave our spoiler warning, most Bat fans probably read this book since we're catching up from our previous episodes. Um, this one uh, was just okay for me. It was pretty good. I'm kind of ready for this whole Gordon as Batman and Mr. Bloom story to end. This hasn't grabbed me like all of, of Scott Snyder's other stuff. So this one it picks up where issue 45 left off, where Mr. Bloom um, crashed the Powers uh, presentation where she was going to announce like uh, that Gordon was going to step down as Batman, and then uh, Mr. Bloom interrupts, and then Gordon confronts him um, without his bat suit just yet, just in his like stealth one, and they're able to trap Mr. Bloom for a little bit with a giant like back signal magnet, but he ends up escaping, and now Gordon and Powers and the Commissioner have to figure out a way to stop him, and Powers' plan is still to have Gordon step down, and She's created a bunch of other Batman robot Batman suits and even has plans to create one for the other superheroes because she kind of wants those um, the areas where they're going to put these like robotic uh, police force out there where like if they're going to put one in Metropolis or Coast City, Central City, they want to use that superhero symbol on them as like a sign of hope that whoever's in those suits can show, you know, that that symbol still represents like for the police also and just a normal human who can get in this suit so that's her plan gordon doesn't want he doesn't want to go into the narrow especially after endgame what joker did and just cause more trouble there with a like an army of robot bat soldiers causing more havoc and damage to try to capture one villain and mr bloom so gordon kind of persuades her you know let me do this one last time and she's all no you'll get killed he says okay well if i die then that's what you want i won't be batman anymore but just give me this one shot it's like it's the right thing to do with just me and not an army of robot Batman. So, but besides that, we get uh, the side story with Bruce Wayne. That's still the most interesting part of what Scott Snyder is doing here is seeing Bruce dealing with what we we're talking about before, actually being happy in his normal life, not knowing that he what he did as Batman. And it is still pretty, like I said, intriguing to see and what he wants to do. And what happens here? He asks uh, Julie Madison to to marry him and probably not going to work out in the end because you know he's going to get his memories back and don the cape and cowl all over again and then the other subplot here is we have duke which i'm assuming is a little continuation from what's going on uh, the we are robin comic where he was in a, his robin costume sneaking into the iceberg lounge because he actually took that mr bloom seed that um, superman actually gave bruce and like like the second part or first part of the story arc, but then Duke went in his drawer and took it. And Bruce actually notices that it's gone now because uh, one of the children's mother came up to him, like showing him the what Mr. Bloom did at, when he attacked Powers' uh, building with Gordon before Gordon stopped him. And then saying how they're scaring the children and giving them nightmares. And then Bruce recognizes that seed and he chose to look for it and it's not there. And then we get uh, Penguin trying to get, or just trying to stop Duke from escaping from snooping around in his iceberg lounge and I don't know, didn't really add up that much <laughs> to the other part of what's going on, so I'm assuming it might play into maybe Robin War more. Um, but then the issue ends with uh, Gordon uh, confronting Mr. Bloom. They found his location in the Narrows, and he's acting differently. He's not as theatrical as he was when he attacked Powers' uh, announcement. And then at other instances, too, throughout his previous appearances, he's just sitting in a corner, like, silent. He's like, yeah, but this is a real me. All that other stuff is just for show. And then Gordon, you know, telling him, okay, I got you. 
just come down from here and then like whatever you have planned it's not going to work just like surrender easy and then he calls his suit to take him down but then we find out that mr bloom actually has control of the robot bat suit and it ends with him grabbing gordon by the neck and about to squeeze the life out of him so that's where the issue ends like i said nothing really too much going on in this one that got me too excited and just not even, i'm not even that anxious to see how Gordon's going to get out of it. We know he will, and how they're going to stop Mr. Bloom. I mean, I like the design of Mr. Bloom. It's unique and creepy, but this as a villain, I don't think it's not grabbing me too much. So, yeah, I'm going to give this one just three out of five Dark Knight sequels that Frank Miller wants to write because he needs to have the definitive ending. So, uh, <laughs> I think this whole Mr. Bloom and Batman, Gordon as Batman is going to go down as my least favorite Scott Snyder arc. It has its moments, but in the end, it's, I think its story is not going to be very memorable, unfortunately. So it's getting a little old then. Yeah, it's about time. I think mm. even some of the solicits that came back or came out not too long ago are saying like by March, like Bruce is going to start getting his memories back and it's already getting things in motion for him to become Batman again, right when Batman v Superman comes out, just like I predicted. So <laughs> shouldn't be that much longer then. Well, good. All right. Next up is Batman Europa. So this one, <laughs> I remember hearing about this a while ago and really forgot about it. And then when it finally came out, like, Oh yeah, this was planned to be released in 2004. I believe <laughs> like way, way back when with by, uh, by Brian Azzarello and like art from Jim Lee and I'm trying to think of the other the other artist's name on here because I really like the art is because it's not just you know the typical art where you say it's Jim Lee and you know it's Jim Lee because you know he has his own unique art style but this one was definitely unique too and I'm actually gonna flip through it right now so I can remember and <laughs> just get the artist's name on it was Giuseppe. Cam Nicoli, I'm probably butchering that. <laughs> what? Sounds right. Okay. The, the pencils and the finishes are by Jim Lee, and the layouts were by Giuseppe. So, team effort, but it really stands out. I mean, it's like pieces of like fancy artwork painting <laughs> that you see in museums and stuff. It has that feel to it. So, the artwork was really great. And the story on it, here's my big issue with this one. It's too familiar to me already to the Arkham games, because it starts out with Batman and Joker finding out you it's, it's like kind of show you what's going to happen at the end, but then it flashes back to, okay, let's see how they got there. But like Batman and Joker are both wounded. They're bleeding out. looks like this is going to be the end. And Batman's already saying, this is how it's going to finish like between the both of us. But then we go uh, to see Batman fighting killer croc. And we find after Batman defeats killer croc in pretty cool fight sequence. Um, he's, not feeling good. It looks like he just has a cold. You can hear him like sneezing. And then Alfred even comments, like, it sounds like you're fighting a cold. And then, typical Batman's like, well, I'm fine. <laughs> but then Bruce or Alfred says, We have, like, I wasn't talking about just you being sick. Our computer has a virus. And it just says Colossus on there. And it says, like, Is it Colossus is in your system? You have one week left. Have fun. Start uh, running. And so, while it makes you think that's just a computer virus it's talking about, it's actually a physical virus that Batman has. And you can see it like, affecting his skin and finds out that he realizes he's dying and it's talking about he has one week to live. And so, uh, they were able to track down where, you know, try to find out where the virus was being sent and how uh, it got to the Batman's computer. So, he makes a trip to London. <laughs> 
excuse me. <laughs> I might be coming down with something. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, just had to clear some of my throat. But if Batman goes to London and he's able to track down, you know, this one of the, this criminal in there. There's this uh, club where he goes in there. Everyone talks or full the Joker talks, and they all look like the Joker. They're all white pale with smiles on their faces you know it's joker's handiwork and so we go to where joker is actually has this computer hacker being held hostage and he's making her look up things and then we get the reveal as uh, batman busts through the window knocks the joker out that joker has this virus that batman has too and he's using this girl to you know try to find something a cure for it and do something about it and that's where it gets me where you know Joker didn't create this virus, at least that's not how it's revealed yet in this story. But this feels too similar to the Arkham games where Joker has a virus, Batman has a virus, and they're both going to have to try to find a way to cure it. But what's I think the only thing that saves this one from being a total like retread of that is seeing Batman and Joker work together is to try to find a cure for themselves. Because you know Joker didn't do that in the Arkham games. So that could be pretty entertaining as we move forward with this story, seeing Batman and Joker work together they really don't want to so we'll have to see where how it plays out but after i read this issue it's kind of like eh, it's pretty good but again too familiar so it's not really grabbing me as something i'm really really invested in so far so this one i'm going to give three and a half out of five dark knight return sequels that frank miller needs to write because he has to be the one to create the definitive ending but i think it's worth it just for the artwork alone so because it's really great all right, time for the big one. Speaking of Dark Knight Returns, <laughs> Dark good, Knight good. 3. <laughs> so this one, you know, like I said before, I did not read the Dark Knight Returns or the Dark Knight Strikes again, so I'm going in on this one. Kind of cold as far as the overall story of the Dark Knight Returns saga, so to speak. And again, I was kind of thinking, well, I'll just wait for it to be all collected in a trade to read it, see how good it is. But seeing how great reviews this book was getting on Twitter and then on comic book review sites. Like, okay, I have to check it out. It's Brian Azzarello is the writer, so it looks like he's the one who has, uh, and as we talked about before, with Frank Miller doing part four, it looks like this story is his baby and it should be something good. So it starts out where we see the Batman suit in a glass case in the Batcave, and then it gets smashed and then it's, it gets stolen. And how the monologue plays out is you get these two uh, people talking via text so you see all these like the uh, text lingo as you will when you're texting people you don't write the full words you use abbreviations and stuff like that so it starts off with this uh this guy running from the cops and it looks like they're trying to do some commentary on you know recent events with uh, african-americans getting shot by police because it shows two police officers about to shoot an african-american running away from them but then batman smashes on their car and stops them from shooting the the guy who they was running away from. And it's kind of harking back to the earlier, for the first Dark Knight Returns story, where this is Batman's first appearance in a while. And this is something where I'm going in thinking, okay, did something happen in the Dark Knight Strikes again, where it looked like he wasn't going to be Batman anymore, or did he fake his death? So I didn't know what was going on there, and it didn't really answer it. Or is this something new for the Dark Knight 3, where... Even maybe Dark Knight Strikes Again left where he still was Batman, but now he's not anymore, so we have to get the answer to that question as the story continues. And then it plays out kind of like the original Dark Knight does, where you get 
panels of different news broadcasters and talk shows saying, given their commentary on uh, Batman coming back. I mean, you could tell <laughs> there's people like Jon Stewart, they're showing on there the, the new, what was it? Kelly and I don't know the other co-hosts from the old Regis and Kelly show, but they're on there. Oh, um, Michael Strahan? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> the guy. So they're on there, like I said, John Stewart. And then, you know, giving their commentary saying uh, Batman, Batman being bags bad or like, where's he been? All that type of stuff. And then this is where it kind of makes me question like the focus on the book. Cause then we get to a page where we see this big, like, minotaur slash centaur creature in like a jungle rainforest attacking these uh like aztec warriors it looks like to me and then this freaking havoc then we see wonder woman come out uh starting to fight it and then not only is wonder woman fighting this creature but she has a baby strapped to her back <laughs> and she's able to take the creature down and it's and it's uh, her son and we get to reveal that that's not her only child. Well, maybe it's not a reveal for some. It's a reveal for me because um, they have. She apparently has another child with uh, Superman, named Lara, who's flying or flying over the Fortress of Solitude. And again, this is something where I think is that something that happened in the Dark Knight Strikes again, or is this a new like establishment for both Superman and Wonder Woman in this story? So that's a question I had. And then as uh, Laura goes into the fortress of solitude, everything's frozen in there, including Superman. <laughs> He's just sitting on a throne is all frozen. And yeah, I don't know what the reason for that is, but <laughs> she's, he's just sitting there. And then while she's looking at Superman, she sees the bottle city of Kandor and they're screaming for help. And so then it jumps back into Gotham where we see uh, Batman eluding police, giving them a chase and then he's taking them all out. There's a fight sequence where he takes them out, but then the police actually get the better of them, where they get their... He gets shot by a bullet, flicks the side of his cow, and then they start beating him with the batons. And he looks like he's down for the count, but then he gets the second... Or the cop says something. Like, they have him on the down, they look at him, and he says, fellas, this is a... And then you just see Batman's face punch him, and he's able to take down all the cops. And you're wondering, okay, what did he see? And then the commissioner points the gun at him he says like freeze and then you see batman or you see the commissioner say like where is bruce wayne and then you see reveal you take off the mask and it's carrie kelly actually in there she says the same thing where is bruce wayne and then the issue ends uh with her saying bruce wayne is dead and she's on the ground and so that's the hook that got me on this issue where okay you got Carrie Kelly acting as Batman now, and everyone thinks Bruce Wayne is dead. So that kind of sold me as far as to keep continuing on with this, because I am intrigued what happened with Bruce Wayne. Why did Carrie Kelly take on the Batsuit, and are we going to see more of her in that Batsuit? How long do we see Bruce Wayne again? So I did like that. I thought that was a pretty cool twist, because I didn't see it coming. But I just felt the issue overall, it jumped over jumped all over the place a little bit too much than I was expecting because you got the thing with Wonder Woman and then you have it with uh, her daughter Laura looking for Superman frozen in the Fortress of Solitude so I just kind of had that feeling did I miss something uh, from the Dark Knight Strikes again did I need to read that to enjoy this so I'm not exactly sure Dane I'm sure you can answer that for me if any of that happened in the Dark Knight Strikes again because I did want to go into this just reading it on its own how would it be not reading the second part knowing how <laughs> badly reviewed it got so uh, all you need to know is you never have to read okay <laughs> <laughs> so did any of that stuff happen with superman and wonder woman 
I can't even remember. Okay. <laughs> I don't blame you, but... So I guess I should at least look that up, see if that happened there, or is this something new for this book? So I will say, after all the praise it was getting and all the high scores and good positive reaction, I was a little bit let down by this first issue. Not to where I think it was horrible, but I just felt it was a little all over the place. And I don't know, like the whole Wonder Woman and Superman stuff I felt was just, I don't know, maybe should this issue just focus more on Gotham City and Batman and what they were doing with Carrie Kelly than that. But maybe what's going on with Wonder Woman and her daughter will... Uh, play into the story in a big way later on so this one I was a little disappointed with it just because my expectations were so high after all the positive reviews so I'm just going to give it 3 out of 5 Frank Miller uh, or Dark Knight sequels that Frank Miller has to write because he must have his definitive ending and maybe he wasn't uh, sold on this first issue like I was but <laughs> I don't know I hope I have confidence in Brian Azzarello that it will get better and get an intriguing story out of this so I'm still hopeful I'm probably going to be in the minority here because I'm sure some listeners are going to say, how can you not like it that much? Because I see nothing but praise for it, like you said. So maybe it's my own fault for having my expectations too high. So it was just all right. Yeah. Not Uh, horrible, not bad, just all right. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, Well, I I will say too, I'm sorry, the art was really good. I really like the art also, especially it did seem like an updated version of the Dark Knight Returns. Like I said, it had the panels of the TV stations and the news reports and definitely a step up from the art from the Dark Knight Returns. So I will give it props for the artwork uh, by uh, Andy Kubert. So that was real done. All right. Well, I guess that's it from us. Right, Tim? Now that we finally get to know your thoughts on Dark Knight uh, 3, number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did you have it? Did you think I was going to go the more positive way for it? Or knowing what we've been talking about Dark Knight Returns, did you expect me to really not like it? <laughs> um, since you didn't read Strikes Again, mm-hmm. I thought you would go in with more of like a neutral, um, wherever it takes me sort of attitude. But uh, now that you say that it's like, it's just okay, because everything I've seen on uh, Twitter you know, on comic book websites has been that this is really, really good. Yeah. Like I, I, I think IGN gave it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I think, I think maybe a 9.5. Yeah, yeah. So everything's been, you know, completely positive. And I'm happy now that you've told me that it's just all right, and now I don't have to read it or buy it. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm here for, Dave. <laughs> Yes, you are. Comics, TV, movies, <laughs> everything. Um, so, yeah. I guess that's it from us. So just go over to BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, or on Twitter. Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse. Our Twitter handles at BatfansPodcast now. Our new Twitter handle, yes. Yeah, BatfansPodcast. We finally changed it. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to Andy from the Flash Podcast. Because he let me know that it was available. Because I think when I first created it, it wasn't there. Which I went to yeah. Batfans 27. He's like, hey, Batfans podcast is available. Like, you should switch it. Like, oh, <laughs> thanks for looking yeah. out. I'll do that. <laughs> so thank you, Andy. Yeah, so our Twitter handle is at Batfans Podcast. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. thought you were going to say that. <laughs> you always think I'm going to say it, and then I never do. 
Um, and my Twitter handle is at Dane Says Banana. Um, you can also rate and review us on iTunes, so please do that. And if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at badfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So with that, like we say at the end of every podcast, we love you, we love you, we love you. Right, Tim? With all our hearts. In mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're ever feeling alone in this world, just remember, Tim and Dane love you. Two people who you never met love you. Hopefully Wait, you're getting to know us through the podcast. Yeah, you know hopefully you're me. getting to know us. So with that, we'll see you guys next time, everybody. Adios. Oh, I should going to pull out something cool. <laughs> like, I said uh, adios last time. I know, you, I know you've said it before.